It's Thursday, February 24th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Seth Jason. Hello. And from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann and Bill Barker. Guys, good to see you. Thanks, Chris. On today's show, news from Apple's shareholder meeting, and Frito-Lay's got a brand new bag. But we begin with General Motors. Guys, the losing streak is over. Cue the trumpets. Today, GM posted fourth quarter profits of $510 million and reported a $4.7 billion profit for 2010, ending a seven-year string of annual losses. Uh, Bill Barker, despite all the good news, shares of GM down today. What gives? Well, you know, GM uh, came back uh, into the public markets in November, so this is the first uh, quarterly report since then. And I think that the analyst expectations were not finely honed going into this. Normally, <laughs> there's a, a lot of uh, back and forth between a company and the analyst. Sounds like you're being polite. Well, I, 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 you mean that I'm saying the analysts didn't know what was going to happen because they weren't told what was going to happen ahead of time? Kind of, yeah. Well, you could phrase it that way if you want to, Chris. I'm, hey, it's not easy trying to guess what's going on in this monster. Give me a break. No, that's true. I mean, GM is down a little bit today. It's back down to where it came public, basically, in November. So, you know, it seems to have been priced reasonably accurately on that basis. Uh, and really, this quarter was not the strongest of the four, as you point out. The trend there is not what... Uh, bullish investors might have been hoping for. Bill? Yeah, but let's set pr- some parameters here. This is a company that two years ago we thought was dead and is now a $50 billion market cap company. So I am i don't really spend much time worrying about what it does day to day, but that that is a huge difference from where we thought GM would be. And it was, in fact, you know, it was bankrupt. Yeah, but- I was just, I was going to say, if if the government came in and told all all my creditors to take a hike and I owed them, you know, a, a tiny portion of what I actually owed them and then I didn't have to pay as much for my utility bills and anything, boy, my books would look pretty good too. And I'd be telling everyone, look at the profit coming out of the Jason house. Seth Jason, incredibly profitable as a result of that. Earnings before everything. <laughs> you you need well. to go and restructure. I do, yeah. Uh, Bill Mann, let's talk about China for a second, because GM has got about 15% market share in China. That's five times what Ford has. Um, How important is China to GM's bottom line? I mean, it's increasingly important. A huge amount of their profits are coming from China. But it's not even just GM. It's Buick. Buick is one of the largest nameplates in China. And it's very interesting to me how nameplates mean a different thing in different countries. How Buick here is like, oh, it's Buick. But in China, it is it is actually is a very uh, prestigious brand. It is strange. It's one of those, we get these questions a lot for, uh, on all kinds of companies. Hey, how do you think this will translate into this culture? And you always like to pretend you know, but Buick in China should should be a cautionary tale. If that's successful, then most of us are not going to be able to predict any of these things. Yeah, Google needs to step up with a translation button for that, you know, rather <laughs> than just, you know, language and searches. Would you like this page translated from Russian to English? Would you like the profits translated that's once right. uh, this product goes into that country? Yeah, uh, I want the Google why button. Like, why is this big in China? Like, tell me, tell me that. I think the Google engineers are working on that right now. Uh, Bill Mann, you mentioned uh, GM's market cap, $50 billion. Ford's is about $50 billion as well. Uh, we talked about the tax advantages that GM has, because GM has, has got... Because uh, they lost a ton of money in the past? Well, yeah, and and, uh, and Uncle Sam's giving them a tax break of, of somewhere uh, in the range of $14 billion in the coming years. Uh, with all of that in mind, if you had to hold GM or Ford 
over the next five years, which would you rather hold and why? Bill Mann, I'll start with you. Well, I think that the, the, that the tax break and you know, basically they have billions in losses that they get to net against their future earnings. But I think that's pretty much baked in. That said, uh, I would hold GM over Ford at this point, specifically for the fact that they do have such a leg up in the biggest market, the biggest growth market, I should say, in the world in China. Bill Barker? You know, I'd I'd go with Ford uh, because they have because not wrong. had to rely <laughs> on your government's help to survive. You know, I think they should get some points for that. We we haven't seen say oh six months of GM survival and profitability without the government help, which is something that Ford uh, can say it's done. Seth, I have to go with Ford because I've driven both GMs and Fords, and I. <laughs> I'm not much of a car snob, but the GM cars I drive are just the worst cars. You sound like a snob. I've never been in it. Like, I have a Ford Ranger, okay? And that and it's 10 years old, 12 years old. And it seems far more up-to-date than the brand-new Chevrolet that I rented in, in Texas last weekend. Is it possible you're just not a very good driver? <laughs> By the way, you know so when I someone... So I drove badly enough to pull the knobs off of the car? <laughs> that is bad driving. You... Wow. <laughs> You know that someone is about to say something snobby when they start it with, I'm not a blank snob. <laughs> no, I drive a Honda and a, and, and a Ford. So and like, a, and no a Chrysler, offense, but. And a Chrysler. <laughs> I'm not driving a BMW and saying, oh, no, 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 I can't stab these Chevys. I'm driving kind of low-end cars. But the Chevrolets, they never, never cease to disappoint me, even at the low end. You don't drive. You, you bike everywhere. No, I have to drive now. Oh. I'm a horrible commuter. At the Apple shareholder meeting on Wednesday, the Central Laborers Pension Fund, which owns Apple stock, called for the company to disclose a succession plan to ensure a smooth transition in case Steve Jobs leaves as CEO. The plan was voted down by shareholders. Apple says it already conducts such planning internally. Bill Mann, how would you have voted if you were there? I actually agree with Apple for on this. And let me just say, most of the time when a company uses as an excuse that we want to be able to retain and attract top, you know, top executives or top talent, I think it's nonsense. But in this case, I mean, there really is a, um, a concept with companies where you get promoted up or, or out. And so some of this stuff really does need to remain private you know, for, for a period of time. I mean, it'll, for better or for worse, it'll, it'll become known over time. Seth? I think this is typical Apple giving the finger to to shareholders. They've they've done that many many times. Apple in the shareholders past. But, just hate Apple, don't they? But, you know, but I don't know why. So I don't know why this. You know, I don't know why this pension, you know, fund would even have tried to get this through because it's pretty obvious that you know large blocks of Apple are owned by by the faithful and and they don't care you know what happens at all. I mean, we had a complete whitewash of that options backdating thing, and nobody said boo. So. You know, this to me is not a surprise at all. Offhand, I would have thought that the only one Apple was giving the finger to was Seth Jason after all these years of his taking shots at it. Uh, Bill Barker, this isn't a question of legality, but on some level, doesn't Apple owe just a little bit more to their shareholders? Maybe not, you know, maybe not the the public succession plan, but uh, it seems to me like they're they're not even acknowledging anything about Steve Jobs. I guess that I mean I come down on on the side of of the privacy of of, of health concerns uh, almost as an absolute and and probably a lot of other people uh, won't agree with that but that would I I've got no problems with Apple and Steve Jobs giving no information to anybody about Steve Jobs' health. Okay, so broadening it beyond Apple, um, 
as an investor in any company, are you interested in a succession plan for that company's leader? Let I mean, do you want to know if when Warren Buffett's about to kick the bucket? You know, I don't expect to find a succession plan for a company published, uh, you know, on their website. And I don't know that, uh, you know, Warren Buffett has said, oh, you'd like to know the succession plan. Well, yeah, of course we've got one, and I'll tell you what it is right now. You know, I mean, there are very hazy outlines of what the succession plan is uh, given by Buffett, and he's about, uh, you know, credited with being as shareholder-friendly as it comes. Yeah, I mean, there are two tensions here. I mean, if you remember a few years ago, uh, McDonald's had not one but two chief executives in the course of a year die very suddenly, and they had a plan in place. So... I think that the real lesson here, and maybe this is a negative for Apple because it really does seem like it is dependent on one guy, is you need to look at companies that have broad management talent so that someone could step in. And I don't know that that's true with Apple. I don't know that it's not true, but everything about Apple has been the cult of Steve Jobs. So, you know, once again, Apple is, you know, an exceptional case. And that's why I think it, it does matter. I mean, there are certain things that Apple does that nobody else is going to get away with. And, and it, they get away with it not because they're Apple so much as because Steve Jobs blesses it. So the whole idea that you don't put Flash on a device like the iPad, uh, Adobe Flash, I think, is crummy software, but it, pretty much everybody wants it on these devices. Well, Steve, only Steve Jobs can come out and say something as arrogant as he said about Flash back then and take these positions without getting such a backlash that, that it would hurt the company or possibly hurt the product. There are very few people who can get away with that. And, and once Steve Jobs is out of the way, I'm not sure the next whoever's next in line at Apple, I'm not sure they'll be able to get away with that. Uh, I would strongly disagree that Apple has not prepared for the succession of Steve Jobs or that the entire company is about the cult of Steve Jobs. All, all I know is their products are incredibly useful. I see several of them in the room right now. And They're all in front of Bill Mann, actually. No, well, <laughs> Barker's the group. One of them here, is I mean. vibrating in my pocket right now. But uh, what, hey, no. what I would say is, is that this company has had all the chance in the world. It's had the years to prepare for this. It's actually had what could amount to as test runs of the next CEO on more than one occasion already. And shareholders have had adequate opportunity to see how does the company do when Steve Jobs is not on a day-to-day basis sitting in the CEO chair. Yeah, but they haven't had the opportunity to see what the broad outline of the growth plan going forward is without Steve Jobs. And that's what that's what they will have to cope with soon. They can make a better guess about that with Apple at this point than most companies that I can think of. And finally, Frito-Lay has unveiled a quieter version of its biodegradable SunChips bag. The original version was introduced two years ago. They were trying to play up the environmentally friendly angle, but customers complained that the bag was too loud. How loud, you ask? Uh, Measured in decibels, it was essentially the equivalent of a busy city street. That's, That's pretty annoying. Which is slightly awesome. less loud than the cell phone that the people complaining about the bag have pressed to their ears 14 hours a day. Or the buzzing in Bill Barker's <laughs> pocket. It's fine if the city's like Provo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess they're not saying which city. Um, quickly going around the table, is there one product that you would like to see be less annoying? What would it be? You know, as annoying as the Sun Chips bag might be, and I never had the opportunity to see how loud it was, it, it can't be more annoying than, than the uh, kettle chips uh, bag, can it? I mean, that thing's impossible. I, yeah, open. I mean, you and I are both huge fans of kettle chips. And we're extremely strong. <laughs> would you take a louder bag that you could open more easily? 
I think I yes. would, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, what I want to do is eat what's inside of the bag, <laughs> not listen to it, you know? Yeah, and if anyone uh, from Kettle Chips is listening, please help us out here because honestly, <laughs> that was a bone. I need hedge clippers to open the Kettle Chips bag. Bill Mann, what about you? You know, the, the, the product that I think is most annoying is corn nuts. And not so much because the bag is difficult to open, but when someone is eating them, it sounds like a train. I mean, it is the loudest food. I mean, I don't like food, yeah, it's food noises like anyway. Yeah. What? We're really on a snack theme. We've been in we <laughs> so they also they also those nacho cheese ones can stink up an entire <laughs> stadium if one person's sm- eating them. They're uh, smelly and loud. I mean, it's, it's like dealing with Barker all day. <laughs> but besides this podcast, is that a product? Um, if this were less annoying, a lot of people would listen to it. But uh, I have to go with just all packaging that is that that stupid hard plastic stuff. The clamshell. The clamshell oh. packaging. Everybody. It. I mean, you cut yourself trying to open that up. And and this is where I have to say Amazon knows what's going on. They've got a whole range of products which they have hassle-free packaging. It comes mm-hmm. to your house. It's in a freaking cardboard box. You just open it up and take it out. You don't cut yourself. It's beautiful. Yeah, you've got the the youngest kids here right now. You buy a toy for your kids now. It's about a 20 25 minute process yeah. to, yeah. to no, give all those little things. <laughs> yeah, and, and you need to use dangerous tools to get in. Like, yeah. After a while, you're like, uh, my kid doesn't need to play with that. You just throw it out. You know something is wrong with it when uh, when clamshell packaging is responsible for literally thousands of people going to the emergency room every year. Is it really? Yeah, I'm waiting I for someone. It. I'm waiting for someone actually to sue some shoplifter somewhere because they're the reason that these clamshells <laughs> exist. I mean, we're a litigious society. Why hasn't someone figured that out? Well, no, the shoplifters are going to sue them because they got hurt trying to open their stolen <laughs> stuff. Barker, you're the lawyer in the room. Get working on this. Yeah, I, I, I will represent whoever's got the most money on that one. <laughs> All right, Bill Barker, Bill Mann, Seth Jason. Guys, thanks for being here. You're welcome. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. And check out Motley Fool Money this weekend on iTunes, online, and on stations across the country. And on the Zoom, right, Seth? It's on the Zoom. It is. Yeah. All right, we'll see you on Monday. All I know is their products are incredibly useful. I see several of them in the room right now. And They're all in front of Bill Mann, actually. Well, <laughs> well Barker's the group. One of them here, is I mean. vibrating in my pocket right now.